exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to pitch some fantasy at my friend, Charles. I am ready to be pitched too, Dylan. As you mentioned, today is the second part of our Friends Pitching Fantasy week right now. It's the... we've heard my pitches earlier in the week you got to hear have we ever have we ever ran through all three of mine dylan will have to pick one eventually but before we can do that you know he's got to pitch three books to me so that i have something to to pick as well isn't that right dylan that's exactly right and i've got three awesome books slash series to pitch to you you're gonna have a really tough choice on your hands with these three. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I, the only thing that's, you know, Dylan's going to pitch his three books to me. I'm going to consider them. We're going to give you some time over on the socials to let mm-hmm. your thoughts known because I have gotten a glimpse into Dylan's pitches and I am very curious to see what um, the public wants to, you know, respond to in Dylan's pitches. You know, I could use and all the help I could get. Um, so maybe, you know, hearing Dylan's pitches will help me solidify a decision. I'm hoping so. And I'm just really excited to get into it. Yeah. Well, three book slash series coming at you, Charles, but you can only pick one. Thus are the rules of friends pitching fantasy. Only pick one to be among our next three. So here I go. I'm going to pitch to you. Starting with the Gentleman Bastard series by Scott Lynch. We've already read, actually, the first book, The Lies of Locke Lamora, uh, but I'm pitching the rest of the series. That would be Red Seas Under Red Skies and The Republic of Thieves. I'd like to have us fully caught up with Scott Lynch's available books in that series if you select this one. The next book that I'll be pitching after that will be Legacy of the Brightwash by Crystal Matar. Uh, this is book one in the Tainted Dominion series. Uh, There's that self-published darling that you'll see people raving about all over uh, social media. And uh, then after that, Charles, we've got a heavy hitter in gardens of the moon that is by steven erickson and it's book one of malazan book of the fallen (laughs) that is a heavy uh heavy lineup you've got there dylan i'm you know yes it's i can't believe malazan is in the mix after all this time you know we have (laughs) always talked about it and kind of uh um nervous way just the idea of taking that on is is quite the endeavor so um exciting times in the friends pitching fantasy uh um lineup here and i guess you know i'm excited about all of these in different ways and i there's you know i don't know a whole lot about i know mal i've read gardens of the moon but the other two are going to be relatively new to me so i'm really excited to um to hear more about them and hopefully the decision will come clear to me through your pitches but as of right now i'm i'm struggling (laughs) (laughs) let's hope that between my pitches and uh, the 
wonderful listeners providing their own opinions through the polls we'll yes. throw out on social media. I, th- I think you'll be ready by the time that f- likely Friday episode comes out where we'll decide on on which books will be among the next reads and which will fall by the wayside, Charles. But uh, without further ado, I think it's time that we discuss the remaining books in the Gentleman Bastard series. I've got some, uh, I've worked hard on these pitches, Charles, and I'm, I'm excited. excited. You, not an easy task to pitch some of these, you know, these are some big hitters. Ah, they practice, practically pitch themselves, <laughs> Charles, and uh, no more so than uh, the two books remaining in the Gentleman Bastard series, uh, Red Seas Under Red Skies. Uh, that one, I'll, I'll give you stats as we like to do uh, to kind of set the tone here. Red Seas Under Red Skies, 4.25 score on Goodreads from 141,000 ratings, <laughs> and then Republic of Thieves, 4.22 on Goodreads from 106,000 ratings. Uh, typically, I would also give uh, kind of the back of the book premise, but since uh, we're starting here from a you know a book two, mm-hmm. I'll give you a, yeah a little bit more of a uh, general description of Gentleman Bastard just to uh, ground the the listener in that if they haven't yet read the book uh lies of Locke Lamora, mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll get a little bit deeper into the pitch so uh we've got a series that follows the escapades of uh, master thief Locke Lamora, and uh, his uh, group is called the gentleman bastards so uh, we start off with that in the first book, uh, Lacquamora, he is just the quintessential rogue, a thief, and he is full of witty dialogue, as are many others in this series. Uh, we're going to deal with exciting heists. Uh, he's kind of a lovable anti-hero thief kind of guy, and uh, he's got a really uh, great relationship with those in his thieving crew. Uh, we have... Uh, the second book is the one we'd be starting with, Red Seas Under Red Skies. We take to the seas because it's a swashbuckling adventure and one that, Charles, I think you would really enjoy. But it, I, I have to say, Charles, you have a sordid history with this series. <laughs> so for about so a little. decade. Yeah, let me let me get into what's happened here. For about a decade prior to Friends Talking Fantasy's conception, I tried to get you to read that first book, The Lies of Locke Lamora, one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, at one point, I personally took you to the now defunct bookstore in our hometown <laughs> and bought you a copy. I took it. I just put it in your hands, Charles. I asked, please, please read this for me. And you just declined to do that and then finally we started a podcast and i believe in our first ever friends pitching fantasy the lies of Locke lamora was among the books i probably pitched the whole series back then and that happened multiple times where you refused to pick up the series and then it was it got to the point charles where an internet campaign 
started. Our listeners bombarded you. Yeah. <laughs> Our listeners bombarded you on social media with constant pleas to read Lies First of Black time we Mora. ever got a write into the show from a fan was <laughs> yes. begging to read Lies of Black Lamora by Scott Lynch. Right. There was even a change.org petition, as mm-hmm. you've mentioned. Uh, people signed on to try to get you to read it. Please, Charles, please uh, be the change you want to see in the world. And even after that, we did not get you reading it for a long time. I mean, even probably another like year after the change.org petition. But we finally, when we got back off hiatus, uh, you read the first book. Mm -hmm. And then, Charles, you had the audacity to put this series aside for like a year and a half, at least, because that's about where we are right now, after that. Okay? <laughs> that takes some nerve. I mean, why Why do you hate me and why do you hate the fan base is, well, is probably where I'd start. This saga all starts, okay? Way before FTF, you know, I had this that I now, you know, walk back, but I had this original concept of like what's the point of starting a series that's not finished you know so i never read patrick rothfuss i never read scott lynch because these were series where it's like oh the next book is promised but will never come it's been a decade you know so i just was like what's the point if i'm never going to get an ending i've you know since read patrick rothfuss i've since read scott lynch that doesn't affect me anymore it's 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 not really the point, right? It's like these books stand up in their own right and are super like loved and acclaimed and influential works. And I had an incredible experience reading all of them, you know, and I've read, you know, Game of Thrones as well. The whole Song of Ice and Fire, all the books that are out and, you know, it, it, the next one comes out great. But until then, I had a great time reading them. So that's changed. Um, the interesting thing about Scott Lynch, though, is this book is a contained story, more or less. And then the series is so early on and so delayed and ongoing that um, the influence on the other two isn't as strong as this one. So when you had pitched it, you only pitched this one, which I happily read and loved. And I would happily um, read more. It just didn't fall into our calendar. You know, so many authors that we need to read and represent and and discuss and so we feel like we can tick off the scott lynch and move on i think now it's an interesting time to be like okay new year um new fpf new um, year new charles <laughs> new me you know, scott lynch only read the one book but absolutely loved it he absolutely smashed it there's no reason not to read the uh the other two at this point so that's but- the history um would very happily pick this up again um, just have to decide if it's going to stand up versus your two other pitches, of course. But mm-hmm. um, no, it's very strong contender because yeah, we had such a great time well, with this. You say there's no reason not to read, Charles. Let me give you some reasons to read. And, okay. Uh, as with the previous book, the Gentleman Bastard series keeps up the incredible and humorous dialogue that you see featured in the first book, continues to be a masterclass in inventive swearing inventive swearing and insults. Uh, another that. reason to finish the series is the fact that we get a lot more fleshed out between the Locke and Jean friendship. You'll, remem- you'll remember so that about. after all the hype around these two, you left the first book feeling 
almost a little disappointed as I didn't quite live up to uh, the best duo in all of fantasy moniker. And I totally see where you were coming from because uh, when I read that, like reread that to discuss it on the show, I was like, wow, it doesn't really hit its peak yet. Like it gets <laughs> fleshed out way more in the following books. And I know, Charles, that you want to understand why everyone is so obsessed with this best friendship in fantasy with Locke and John. And I, I think you will come away understanding that if you finish this series. Uh, so not only does that relationship get fleshed out but so do the characters and the world we get a way deeper look at Locke as he grapples with psychological issues charles you know i love that uh, uh, it gets us uh, it rounds him out as a character really because i think in the first book he can be a little bit of this badass genius con artist and he's smarmy and uh, look at this look at this rogue he's so charismatic but here we get to see more of him as a person. And he's such a great character when we get him fully fleshed out like that. Uh, we also get introduced to numerous new characters, totally worth getting to know, including one particular character whose uh, personality, the way they're written, and their relationship with Locke, the public perception around them. Uh, this is one of those characters that would be very interesting to discuss with you and get your mm. takes on. Uh, and of course, we also get to see new settings, the world's expanded, we're hitting the high seas and beyond, uh, and we get a better understanding of also uh, the high fantasy elements like the magic as we keep moving. In all, this series keeps the fun and excitement rolling as we stick around with our incredible characters and their hijinks. It t- it's time we catch up with this series and complete the job that we set out to do when we read The Lies of Locke Lamora. The only thing that we can do to make that happen, Charles, is for you to select this series in Friends Pitching Fantasy. Well said, Dylan. I think the most convincing point, which you didn't have to say, is an underlying threat, <laughs> is that if I don't choose this, it's just going to be a smear campaign uh, against me for... Uh, until we read it again, which could be, you know, several weeks from now, months from now, you know. So <laughs> I have taken that into consideration as well. It's very compelling. But you don't have to say it. I yes. perceive the threat. <laughs> yes, the underlying threat is certainly there, Charles. But you, you shouldn't do it for that. You should do it because it's an awesome story. No, there's a lot to love, like you, you said. You love the first book. You love the Jean first book. John and Locke. Love the first book. Love the swearing. Love the, the potential of Jean and Locke, which was definitely strong in the first book. But I think when people speak of them fondly, th- there's they're probably alluding to more that's happened in the series. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to being a part of that conversation, informed part of that conversation as well. So excellent pitch, Dylan. Uh, I'm ready to pick it, if not for two other wonderful books that you have to talk about. That's a problem when it comes to French pitching fantasy. If it was only pitching one book, it would be a very easy choice. But uh, I'm going to have to pitch two more, starting with Legacy of the Brightwash by Crystal Matar. That's got 4.29 on Goodreads from 416 ratings. 
Uh, it was also a finalist for Mark Lawrence's uh, Spiffbo competition, the self-published fancy blog-off. I believe this was the year that I was a judge, uh, so I, it holds a special place in my heart. I didn't end up reading it as part of that, but uh, a special place in my heart for that reason. And uh, it was also a nominee for our fantasy, the fancy subreddits, Best Debut and Best Indie Awards. And this one, I have no qualms about giving a summary. This is grabbed from Goodreads and likely the back of the book as well. Follow the law and you'll stay safe. But what if the law is wrong? Tashue's faith in the law is beginning to crack. Three years ago, he stood by when the authority condemned Jason to the brutality of the rift for noncompliance. When Tashue's son refused to register as tainted, the laws had to be upheld. He'd never doubted his job as a regulation officer before, but three years of watching your son wither away can break down even the strongest convictions. Then, a dead girl washed up on the bank of the Brightwash, tattooed and mutilated. Where'd she come from? Who would tattoo a child? Was it the same person who killed her? Why was he the only one who cared? Will Tashue be able to stand against everything he thought he believed in to get the answers he's looking for? Only one way to find out, Charles. That's in the back of the book. She specifically, (laughs) yeah, says Charles, no. Uh, that last sentence was added by me, a little flair. Okay. As I'm sure you remember, from the long-ago times in which you actually went on social media, Legacy of the <laughs> Brightwash has... Yeah. Uh, Legacy of the Brightwash has become an indie darling of a book widely beloved by many members in our community. And should be mentioned that Crystal Matar is a total delight and... We've had the pleasure of interacting with her quite a bit on on the socials, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't yet read this book, though, Charles, unlike the other two book-slash-series I'm pitching. Uh, but I've been wanting to read it for a really long time. And mm-hmm. everything I've heard about it has me thinking that it's just an all-around awesome novel. It's got everything. I see praise for the impressive prose, for the fleshed out complex characters and for this unique victorian setting i we also have it straddling the line between all of these subgenres in a way that makes it totally unique you see that kind of praise a lot right it's got urban fantasy it's got some grimdark it's got some romanticy it's got what they call gas lamp fantasy and of course it centers around this mystery that drives the plot and uh, be, whenever I haven't read a book, Charles, I go to some of our trusted friends in the mm-hmm. community, and I've grabbed some quotes here. I mean, we're we're gonna start where just about every Goodreads review page starts, which is with a Patrick Leo review. Um, I'll just <laughs> I just they grabbed do. one line from <laughs> yeah the prolific. Patrick we should just have reviewer we just read his reviews and then yes. that's the episode you <laughs> those know? are the pitches <laughs> uh, he is uh, prolific I mean uh, reviewer extraordinaire booktuber extraordinaire he PPF loved this Patrick book pitches, Patrick pitches fantasy <laughs> yes uh, so he said 
If you love a slow burn murder mystery and political fantasy with superbly written flawed characters, even more so if you love reading romance too, make sure to read Legacy of the Brightwash. But he is I love all those far things. from alone in these kind <laughs> of uh, in these kind words that you'll see. I mean, we've got K.R.R. Lockhaven, author of Ooh. The Conjuring of Zoth Averix, who said, this is definitely among the best books I've read in a long time. We've got reviewer extraordinaire Nick Borelli saying, there are good books, and then there are books that leave a lasting impression that you can't shake no matter what. I mean, you literally can't avoid the intense emotions that seem to permeate every part of your being after finishing it. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got review extraordinaire, fancy book nerd, book nerd, FBN, yeah, <laughs> fantasy book nerd. You'd think I'd know how to say the word nerd, uh, but we call him FBN for short when we can't pronounce the relatively simple words in his name. Uh, <laughs> we like to he said, things here. <laughs> yes, an exceptional debut that brings something that I have not seen previously to the fantasy genre. We've got Dan Fitzgerald, author of The Hollow Road, says the story winds its way through with such an original cadence that you're sure you've never read anything like it. And that's the kind of praise you see a lot. It's it's like nothing else you've read. Uh, Hmm. I'll also say that while we know that you, Charles, can at times blush at the steamy romance in a book, uh, and it's not always your jam, Uh, A common thread that I've seen throughout reviews on this book is that many folks will say, hey, I don't always like romance. I don't read a lot of romanticy. But in this book, I really appreciated the slow burn romance and how it's done. So that's for you, Charles, because I know you, you'll have reservations. In all, this book presents the opportunity to support an amazing indie author to read a book that's extremely unique, would be a fresh breath of fresh air, and to see what all of the fuss that you see in all over social media is about. Beautiful pitch, Dylan. It's like you said, you know, she's such a wonderful personality on on social media that like this book has been in the back of my mind i've been curious about it ever since we you know found this community three years ago and however long it's been now and that book cover Mm -hmm. i'm just so familiar with now i just recognize it by its silhouette as as her book you know it's it's that prevalent in our community and i'm wondering if like this is with all the praise around it, exact with all the praise around it and all of the conversation around it, that's pretty much centralized in our community. If there's something like, not to say hidden gem potential, since it's a Spiffo finalist and all of this, but still it feels like there's a bigger audience that, you know, this would appeal for that we are in like the late discovery of it too. So <laughs> very fascinated by all that and to support Crystal, of course. And the premise is super interesting too many people have said it's like so good and like nothing they've ever read before that you're like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> what, yeah. what, what, what is this? We, you know, curiosity's peaked. And I mentioned this earlier. I'm kind of vibing on the like tattoos as a clue uh, device a la memento a la now here's a corpse washed up that's all tattooed out. And, 
using those as clues. It's kind of a fascinating premise that uh, may be underutilized. So super interested to, to dive into all of that. It, it just seems like something so... Because I kind of I know what I'm getting into with Malazan. I've read it. And then I know what I'm getting into with Scott Lynch because I've read the first book. This I have literally no idea. And there's something exciting about that. Um, and that makes it a really tempting choice so it's it's and if i don't pick it i'm gonna be like agonizing over it but same with scott lynch and maybe gardens of the moon too but i'm a little more intimidated by that but between those two i'd I'd agonize over missing it because i kind of want to dive into both (laughs) (laughs) so you would not agonize over gardens of the moon i'm agonizing over reading it honestly yeah it's gonna be but it's one of those things you gotta do you know it's such a big sense of influence we'll get to that we'll get but yeah charles this is one that uh, it doesn't just pique your interest for the reason of like everyone's talking about it and mm-hmm. uh, for the reason that you haven't read anything by the author. It's also like, yeah, you haven't read anything by the author, so there's already a level of mysteriousness around any book like that. And then it's like, oh, also, this is not like anything you've ever read before, right? Because it's like, <laughs> if you read, like, I pitched Brian, successfully pitched Brian McClellan's Powder Mage trilogy, Last mm. Friends Pitching Fantasy. And you picked it, but I feel like, you know, he's a protege of Brandon Sanderson. And it kind of fits with a lot of our bread and butter uh, books that we tend to cover on yeah. Friends Pitching Fantasy. You're probably like, I kind of have a sense of what I'm getting into. And I bet yeah. it, it was like what a comfort you got food, was you know? not far off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, well, it okay, this time there's guns and he's a little darker than some of Sanderson's work, but you got the magic systems, you got the epic fantasy, you got the warfare, like not shocking. This, I mean, who knows what we're going to get if we dive into this and I've not read it either. So I got Mm -hmm. nothing to, to tell you besides what these awesome reviewers and folks are saying. It's, it's exciting. Always diving into a new work, a new author, especially one as well received as crystal. I think it's, it's a tough choice, man. It's a tough choice. Thank you for that. <laughs> nah, I don't envy you, Charles, having to choose between at least those two books. But, Charles, we're going to have to talk about Gardens of the Moon by Stephen Erickson now, book one of Malzahn, book of the I'm Falling. I can just see that you the apprehension. I'm surprised yes. that you were doing this to me. I wasn't. I didn't see this coming. I wasn't prepared. To no. get in the mindset of potentially reading this series, you know? <laughs> yes. And we're talking about a series, though, that has 3.92 rating on Goodreads. Or, sorry, not series. A, uh, a book in Gardens of the Moon. I'm only pitching the first huh? one Interesting. for now. 3.92. And you'll see a large increase after that. I mean, if we go to... Dead House Gates. I want to get the actual number right I here because I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't um, originally uh, going to get into that part of it, but this is widely 4. considered three with seventy-two thousand yes. ratings. So that is a large increase from Substantial. book one to book two, and not that three point nine two. It's not like you know. It's not like it has like a 2.8 where it's alarming it's just a little bit lower than a lot of the books we tend to bring onto friends pitching fantasy which tend to have four and above uh but anyway let's 
let's get into this summary that I can read because this is a book one. Vast legions of gods, mages, humans, dragons, and all manner of creatures play out the fate of the Malazan Empire in this first book in a major epic fantasy series from Stephen Erickson. The Malazan Empire simmers with discontent, bled dry by interminable warfare, bitter infighting, and bloody confrontations with the formidable Anamander Rake and his Tistanti ancient and implacable sorcerers even the imperial legions long inured to the bloodshed yearn for some respite <laughs> even the vocab in the uh, like summary is uh, a little I'm challenging soaking it in, got soaking it in. in there. and i've read yeah. this book before i'm like yes. okay <laughs> Yet Empress Lacine's rule remains absolutely enforced by her Dreadclaw assassins, for Sergeant Whiskey Jack and his squad of bridge burners, and for Tattersail, surviving Cadre Mage of the Second Legion. The aftermath of the Siege of Pale should have been a time to mourn the many dead. But Darujistan, last of the free cities of Genabacus, yet holds out. And it is to this ancient citadel that Lacine turns her predatory gaze. However, it would appear that the Empire is not alone in this great game. Sinister, shadow-bound forces are gathering as the gods themselves prepare to play their hand. Conceived and written on a panoramic scale, Gardens of the Moon is epic fantasy of the highest order, an enthralling adventure by an outstanding new voice in 1999 <laughs> he was new in 1999 <laughs> we were all new voices at one point i think it was 99 i just yeah it is 99 <laughs> so let's uh charles you and i have to talk all right okay i'm listening <laughs> you've read gardens <laughs> last of time i heard that oh boy that was not good <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> Uh, every, everything okay at, at home, Charles? <laughs> Everything's great now, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll talk off air. Charles, you've read Gardens you of the Moon. dump somebody. <laughs> we have to talk. I'm not dumping you. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> not in the middle of my mouths on pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Charles. you couldn't dump me before the whole mouths on summary. Right. <laughs> like, you could have spared me that. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I had to make you sit through the mouse on summary and then uh, <laughs> dumping you as, as my podcast partner. I'm, I'm going solo. I get it. All right. Charles, you've read Gardens of the Moon. Yes. And I've read Gardens of the Moon. Yes. Yet, curiously... We've never had an episode discussing this book or series on the show. It's no. odd, right? Yeah. Malzahn is one of the biggest, in every sense of the word, epic fantasy series in existence. It seems like a series that would be right in our wheelhouse. We've been asked numerous times by listeners if we've covered Malzahn, and occasionally, why haven't we covered Malzahn? And honestly, Charles... It's a good question, mm-hmm. but there is a reason, and let's put our cards on the table here. Between you, me, and our wonderful listeners, neither of us really love the book, right? <laughs> if you couldn't tell, don't yeah. tell anybody. 
Don't tell anyone. It was In fact, good. It was. But sure. It's like, but I'd go so far as to say we were somewhat confused reading it, which is a not uncommon experience. And we had a bit of trouble understanding the extent of the immense hype. Is, is that fair to say, Charles? For sure. For sure. I mean, it's such a beloved classic top 10 yeah. all-time kind of situation. And it's of all of those top 10 all-time, it's the one that I'm most, like, not confused by, but that I'm most, like, separated from, I would say. Yes. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, it's interesting you say it's top ten. We'll get we'll get there too, but I'm I'm here to make several points on account of oh the rabid <laughs> legions of Malzahn fans and, and what they might say to mm-hmm. our experiences. Uh, they're they're a group, Charles, that may only be matched in regard to their fervor and number by the immense Malzahn Empire's military itself. <laughs> I mean, this is okay, a fan base. Yeah, that is. It's one. It's become like a meme on the R Fantasy subreddit that like whatever you ask for a recommendation for. It's just like Malzahn Book of the Fallen. So it's like, I'm looking for like a female author and, uh, <laughs> right, and uh, a cozy fantasy, uh, blah, blah. And it's like, have you tried Malzahn Book of the Fallen? <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, there's definitely an element of that. But anyway, <laughs> Malzahn is infamous for being dense and difficult to read. How's this pitch going? Uh, this is <laughs> this is because you're being thrown right into the thick of things without context. All right, Erickson is trusting you, the reader. Uh, but this does change radically upon a reread. People reread this series over and over again because of the incredible increase in understanding that you get by reading it over. I know it's been a while since we've read it, but I think that this time around we would have a leg up compared to where we were last time, and therefore a much better chance of fully comprehending what's going on and, and then fully appreciating what's going on at the level of of these uh, really incredible fans. Also, it should be noted that many find Gardens of the Moon to be the weakest of the series. How, how's the pitch going? Um, but this good, is, <laughs> yeah. But this is promising, in the sense that it gives us a jumping off point to keep going with the series. Right, the goal with Malzahn isn't just to read Gardens of the Moon and call it a day. The goal is to keep going, at least at some point, even if not right after we finish this book. And potentially, th- we gotta we gotta read this book if we're going to keep going and we're going to see what makes people love this series so much. I mean, there's got to be something <laughs> here, right? The hundred seventeen thousand whatever people rating this book and and the people who are just extremely vocal about it, like there has to be a reason for all of that. And uh, I mean, I have read up to book three in this series myself. And I will say each successive book has been better than the last. So you did say Garden to the Moon, you thought it was good. There are 10, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was good. I get the appeal of it, right? Because 
it's a unique experience in that it, in terms of like world building and epic fantasy in the oh, truest yeah. sense of the word. We'll get there. It offers a reading experience that is unparalleled that fans of the genre just can identify with so clearly and you know Steve Erickson is a background as both an archaeologist and an anthropologist. Um, we'll get there too, yeah. And that, but you've done your homework. It's well, yeah. And it's just so strong and present in this um it's just the matter of like one do we have the ability to discuss <laughs> about this book to do it enough justice to its own fans who are already kind of scholars of that um you know that's like the biggest concern on my plate but it is a huge gap in our reading and it's one of those pillars of modern fantasy that it's probably the biggest one that we haven't covered on the show. Right. I think that's fair to say. It's got to be the biggest. Besides right. well, like I'll jump Harry down Potter that, or something. We haven't done Game of the, Thrones either. but Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's fair. But we've talked about Game of Thrones pretty in-depth at point. Yes. And we've, and we've read all the books. House of the Dragon. And like yeah. we, we've done a lot of service for the Game of Thrones community. But the listeners will want to hear from us on this series as well. I mean, like I said, we've had people reaching out. It's happened multiple times, and I've had to be like, you all should check out the Green Team podcast, like the Green Team of Legendarium. <laughs> they do great coverage. I believe they interviewed Erickson as well. So it's like I've always kind of been like, go somewhere where you can be satisfied. But they want to hear us talk about it, and it's one of those huge gaps, like you said, in our resume I mean, to give you an idea of what I mean by that, it's the only series in the top 10 of the R Fantasy subreddit's top books list that we've not had a single book discussion episode or, in the, you know, in the case of Game of Thrones, like a uh, discussion of uh, the book, like solely dedicated to that. We've done that for every single other series <laughs> in the top 10. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's... Like that is that not telling about how uh, much this is a gap in what we've done? There's nowhere on the entire World Wide Web, Charles, where people can get our thoughts in depth on the Malzon book, and, and that's like borderline an embarrassment on our part as fantasy content creators. And, we've and done our best to not talk yeah. about it. <laughs> we have done our best, but You're we're done doing a harsh our best, light Charles. on it right now, Dylan. I will say this is tough. But it's it's fair. You're correct. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I am something being we've known honest. but have buried for yes. years. <laughs> I'm bringing it all to the surface. You and I, Charles, are going to process this together. Um, but we, yeah, I mean, we have every right to uh, feel embarrassed about where where we are in terms of our Malzon coverage, and I don't blame the listeners if. If they're feeling anger at us <laughs> and betrayal, Charles, uh, okay. betrayed anybody. We just neglect. No, I think is betrayal, the... <laughs> neglect and betrayal. Every episode that isn't uh, Malazan yes. is a betrayal. <laughs> a deep betrayal. To we've done fans. about two hundred and fifty so, betrayals so far. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me let me give you a little bit here on Malazan. Just pitching what's great about it. Uh, series is as capital E epic as it gets. And 
I mean, we've got mages, we've got dragons, we've got many other monsters, we've got gods walking the earth, uh, getting involved in what's going on, countless cultures, 33 point of view characters just in this first book, Charles. <laughs> That's it. Uh, and I know. And we've got that bloody, bloody warfare that you love so much. Like, you love intense action and battle scenes. And there's few there's series moments, yeah. that, yeah are more willing to go there in a way where it's like huge magic, powerful forces clashing to explosive effect. Um, there's just not a lot of series as ambitious as Malazan when it comes to that or when it comes to the world building, right? This is arguably the most expansive world building that you can find in the entire genre. And you you mentioned that Steven Erickson is an archaeologist and anthropologist by training. So he knows how to create and present a complex, interesting culture and society. And I think that our ability to come in with some prior knowledge that we didn't have before, it'll allow us to not be so like focused on, okay, like what is going on here that we can take a step back and appreciate like, oh, wow, this culture he's creating and it's really interesting. And I think there's just about no one as well equipped as Erickson in the genre to to do that, to create those kind of cultures. I, I do also remember, and you will too, Charles, some intriguing characters in the book. Uh, there is Anamanda Rake, the brooding and super powerful son of darkness, leader of the Tistandi, Krupp, a seemingly harmless, almost silly man who might be more than meets the eye, and Sergeant Whiskey Jack, a hardened soldier, who is one of the leaders of the infamous bridge burner soldiers. There's a lot to offer in the way of all of that in terms of plot and epic battles, in terms of world building, in terms of characters, Charles. The only thing that there's left for you to do is determine whether or not you're brave enough to take on the Malzahn book. The that is a fair series. question. I think one of the, I've, I've called it intimidating a few times. It's like, how do you even frame a discussion around this book in like a podcast <laughs> format? Do you try and do the whole book in one episode? Do you split it by chapters? Do you split it by ideas? Like what the heck is the approach to that? You know, and, and we have to reread it to really determine that, you know, we've always find a way, but it's one of those things that's always been a little bit harder to swallow and so easy to get, plot points wrong in this one just to be like wrong and you know the people that are listening to it most of them are going to be fans that know a lot about the series so it's just that other level of i don't want to be like factually incorrect or unsure throughout the discussion so trying to find that that sweet spot where we can talk about it in a way that's like entertaining to fans of the book is a little bit of a challenge one i'm not necessarily against uh, one i'm open to um but yeah it's, it's, it's a tough one but like you said it the, it can't at some point it just cannot be ignored any longer it's too big so it's just a matter of is now the time is how i feel about it yeah i mean to your first point there's no reason or draw from us to present ourselves as Malzahn experts or scholars or what have you like it's just not our like our main series we haven't finished it and uh, 
that's not who we are. You can find people like that. You can find podcasts solely dedicated to Miles on Book the Fallen. But we do bring this more generalist uh, fantasy fan approach to it and and a willingness to, uh, I think, be like, I mean, I don't want to say objective because it, like, it's entirely not objective, but uh, to be willing to say like, Hey, like, here's just some people who are big fans of fantasy coming into this <laughs> just huge trying to dense series, like just trying to, <laughs> yeah, like what's going on here? How do we react to it? Was it do well? What wasn't done as well? Like, I think there's room for that uh, as well as the Malzahn expert folks analyzing every single bit of it. And you also make a point about like the gap in our catalog here i mentioned in your friends pitching fantasy episode that it's like you can think of a person stumbling upon our podcast and scrolling through the feed and in that case i was talking about looking for brent weeks as uh, an author that would totally make sense that we cover i think even more so it's like looking through the catalog as a malzon fan and uh, I, I imagine them gripping the phone really tight and scrolling with a fervor unmatched by any other fan Getting base. more and more and, panicked as they scroll, yes. not seeing it. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I guess it must be one of their first episodes then. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's why I haven't stumbled no. upon it yet. That's so, fair. Well, we want to serve those people as well because the, we're we're fancy podcasts and, and we're here to help the fancy fans get the kind of discussion that they're looking for. Well said, Dylan, and it's a great way to kind of cap this whole conversation. It's really up to what people want at the end of the day. I'm super interested. I wonder if people will the the Malazan fans will show up for this one. I feel like there's really strong potential for them to sweep the uh, the polls that we'll put up to kind of go along with this episode between all three of these. Um, you know, you got some strong contenders here, so I'll be curious to see. Like we've carved such a specific niche that Crystal could take it. That's you what's know, always like, interesting. Like it, there, there's like so many different things that can happen you know scott lynch is super influential and popular across the whole genre so steve erickson and he's got a pretty rabid fan base too online so it's it's interesting to see like i have no idea how the poll's gonna go for this one like i don't know if malazan will take it and if it does i'll have to answer to that you know you're putting me in a very (laughs) not good position (laughs) (laughs) charles just admitting he doesn't want to pick this book but that if you come out in in Look, legions. I'm uh, tempted to pick it, it then but it's he not might. because I really want to read it. It's just an it's just something that we ultimately should do, and I think it's interesting, and um, it's certainly an influential work. It's kind of funny. We both kind of unintentionally did a same kind of we pitched the same kind of book. So it's like the second in a series we've already read, something totally yes. new, and then something like totally classic. You know, it's just like that we right. it's just like all over the place. So um but we, we kind of somehow managed to stay energetically aligned on that one. But um it, it it's open to it's like which vein do we go down? There's opportunity like between both of our pitches to have quite the um exciting lineup coming up on the friends talking fantasy podcast and before we can read any of these pick any of these we need to have our final part to fpf right Dylan? 
Yeah, I mean, that final part is preceded by all of you coming onto social media. You can find us at the FDF Podcast one on Twitter, at the FDF Podcast on Instagram, and voting for which book you want us to read. And then, yeah, there's that final part likely coming out on a Friday where we will discuss the results of the poll, which books we are picking, why we're picking those books, and of course, the audio only, but wait, sorry, I forgot. We're, we have some video content coming. We've got video content now. Hopefully, (laughs) we haven't made it as of this recording, but we have big plans. Yes, uh, the formerly audio only coin toss to decide the order of the two books that we pick may Mm -hmm. now be a thing you can access the video of i know the much awaited debut of the coin toss in video content that's what the people want charles almost as bad as they want you to pick gardens of the moon well said dylan and all we have to do now is wait and see and in the meantime play that sweet sweet outro music what do you say Let's get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, Charles. All right, here we go. I jumped the gun a little bit. I was excited. You did. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I want to stop talking about Malazan. Get me out of here. (laughs) Seriously, let's wrap this. Bring this in for a landing. Thank you all so, so much for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast if you like what you heard today if you want us to read any of the books that we've pitched in these past couple episodes you got to do that over on the socials that's at the fdf podcast on instagram on tiktok i think on youtube as well we still have to look up what our handle is there um and then the fdf podcast with the number one at the end over on twitter now dylan if they like what they heard today they've made their uh, voice heard for our FPF and they want to support the show even more. What can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast, which you can do over on Spotify by clicking about on our podcast feed and then clicking the little area where you can rate. It's super confusing. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'll stop complaining. Uh, you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That means you can write nice things about us you could just say you know charles has a really wonderful voice and i appreciate that the content he's talking about i I can't even hear it because his voice is so (laughs) soothing Uh, you can write that as long as you give five stars yeah yeah Yeah. but do listen to the content charles is talking about it's very good as well Uh, um but (laughs) whether you rate review or not i mean just listening is more than enough and we thank you so much for doing that well said dylan just listening is more than enough thank you all so so much it's greatly appreciated thanks for making it all the way to the end you guys are awesome and as always go forth and conquer friends